button. Conversation set free. Red button. Some conversation, please. Thank you. Now, are you sitting comfortably? Good. Then we'll begin. So, hello and welcome. I am Bill Lawrence, and this is. Box 39 Red Button, our later evening conversation show, coming to you live from Studio One at the mighty Colm Radio Towers on 106.6 FM. Now, this week I'm chatting to my guest Ian Hornet. Ian was a customs officer, then a primary school teacher, and five years ago he left the somewhat relative security of the classroom to become an author of books for all ages, ranging from science fiction to comedy, and though he maintains his links with the classroom, he visits students of all ages to talk about writing and his inspiration for writing, and he also teaches part-time at a primary school here in Colchester. So, welcome Ian. Hi Bill, thanks for having me on. 
it's an absolute pleasure now one of the big things of this show is we ask you to choose the music uh, music perhaps that has some sort of importance for you and we've just heard your first piece of music which was Hazel O'Connor with a track called Will You so why did you choose that for us? Well, I think it's a great track. It kind of takes me back quite a few years. Might take you back a few years as well. And it's a very well-known track at the time. I am a, well, a would-be saxophonist. I played the clarinet at school. I wanted to play the saxophone because that was the cool thing to play. Um, I did have an old saxophone. It just squeaked when I was playing in the band. So I never got around to playing it that well. And I've really selected that track for the saxophonist bit. I think it's just amazing. So very evocative and I wish I could play like that. Yeah, it's true. As I do remember it, actually, all those years. Great, great piece of music. So thanks for that, Ian. But uh, let's talk a bit more about yourself. Who is Ian Hornet? And Johan, we know you're an author as well as a teacher. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background and um, maybe what you've written. Right, well, I um, consider myself a teacher and a writer at the moment. I'm trying to be a... Um a full-time writer that's going to require some luck it's going to require some s skill on my part I suppose it's going to require a lot of time to do it but uh, I'd like to be able to just write full-time um, it's trying to get that success that's going to be really hard so it's not something I've always wanted to do necessarily but it's something I'm really enjoying doing um, and I'm lucky to have had the opportunity to to do it so I took a decision a little while ago I was going to give it a go I'm not up there yet I'm not a number one bestseller I don't, might never be you know the likelihood I probably won't but I'm thoroughly enjoying it so it's just lovely to be able to write stuff put things down on the page um, didn't think I'd be able to do it didn't think I'd be able to write a book and I've written several now so yeah that, that's who I am I'm a I'm a, a budding writer who'd like to be a really successful writer but just see how it goes I'm, I'm enjoying it all at the moment that's the main thing now that's your background before you became a teacher even is, has been quite varied uh, you've been involved in sports studies at college you, you worked for a long time as a customs and excise uh, official I did yes um, I was a customs officer at Tilbury uh, which is um, you know, part of Essex as well most people don't go to Tilbury unless there's something to go for and it's well known for its port so I was there for a few years and then I took a promotion and I became a VAT officer in the East End of London, which was great, based in Stratford, walking around different places, um, Docklands and Hackney and places like that. Um, I can remember going into a place to, to see this guy once. He had his, a quite small business and he, he said to me, um, hey, did you always want to be a VAT officer? And I looked at him and thought, no. Now, why, why would I want to be a VAT officer? Just kind of sitting there thinking, I'm doing this job. It was okay, actually, but it's not something you kind of imagine you would ever necessarily aim to do but I did that for a few years I got moved back to Colchester um, carried on doing VAT visits around Colchester uh, had some managerial jobs and become a staff welfare officer after that which was really good supporting staff and then um, and then around about the age of 40 uh, decided that I'd go into teaching so I'd, I had done my degree years ago you mentioned about the sports studies degree um, and that was um, I had a lovely time doing that but I didn't really use the degree to get a job but boy was I pleased I'd done it because I got my degree which meant I could just take a year to do my training which I did at St Teresa's School in Colchester um, and I, I got a job at Gosbeck School had a great time there for 10 years and yeah from there I kind of decided to give a go at the writing a bit of teaching yeah. so that moment when you decided to go from you know a relatively uh, s uh, secure 
profession, yeah. risk-free. I mean, yeah. teachers are the most risk-averse people on the planet, I would mm. imagine. Uh, you go from, I speak as a teacher, you go from that and then you dive into the unknown. What, what was the moment when you decided to take that plunge? I can be very specific about the moment because my wife and I were lucky to be on holiday in New Zealand which is a fantastic place having a fantastic time and we were walk, walking around these beautiful places and we went to a place called Glen Orkey which had been recommended to by a New Zealander who said it's the most beautiful place in New Zealand and it wasn't on our itinerary to go there we thought well if this guy says it's the most beautiful place in a beautiful place we better go there and often on holidays don't always do this, but on holidays it's time to relax and you kind of think, well, what do I want in life? What do I want to do? And most of the time, I'm quite happy with what I was doing. I've been in teaching for 10 years, found that teachers do work incredibly hard and, um, and I put a lot of commitment into it and I, I was fine with it, but I just felt like it wasn't quite right to you know, get into the age of 50, well, I was 50. Um, maybe I could try something else. And I was walking around this Glen Orkey, which is just absolutely stunning and I've got this idea for a book it had been going through my mind my wife had always said to me you should write a book and I said I've got no idea what I can write about but I got an idea for a book and it was based on on um, the lakes that we were seeing and actually the original idea was to do with bridges and bridges between different islands on the lake um, and then it kind of developed at Glen Orkey to a point where I had this idea of a bridge between another world and this world not that original idea actually but it just kind of develops put in a reincarnation theme to it and I, I thought ah this might be something here and then we left Glen Orkey and on the way out of Glen Orkey I said to my wife uh, I've got two two ideas um, she kind of a bit suspicious thinking I might say well you know is it back to where we're going to stop for coffee or lunch and I said no it's a bit you know quite quite extreme one I've got an idea for a book and I explained what the idea for the book was, just an outline idea. And the other is, I said to her, I'd like to give up full-time teaching to write it. And she said, yes, you should do it. So, uh, and actually, I kind of felt a bit of a relief. That was, that was quite quite nice feeling. I thought, oh, I'm going to give this a go. And I had to give a, well, I only had to give half-terms notice, but I gave a terms notice at school. I felt quite bad about that, because that was the beginning of the academic year. Um, so I worked out the last term and actually I couldn't do any writing at all in that time my head was full of teaching um, so I thought leave it till I finish my teaching and after Christmas I started writing the book and it came out really quickly the idea came out within six eight weeks I had 50 60,000 words 70,000 words um, and I wonder where did they come from I've, no idea. I've never written that sort of quantity before so yeah that was that was very specific Glen Orkey, New Zealand that was your wow moment that was my wow moment yeah fantastic what a great tale now let's move on with your music one of my real favourites here and again you can explain why you've chosen it this is from Ian Dewey and uh, his wonderful Blockheads and it's called Hit Me With Your Rhythm Stick well I can remember sitting in a science lab at Sir Charles Lucas School where I went and I can't remember the bloke I was Andy someone I think used to sit next to him and we used to go through the words to um, Hit Me With Your Rhythm Stick you know, in the wilds of Borneo street, uh, in, in the vineyards of Bordeaux and it's kind of rhyming and injury that was a massive hit for him it's a massive song and it was so different and then you had the saxophonist connection there again the guy playing two saxophones at the same time it's just a classic track and I was into injury and the blockheads very heavily loved him
deserts of Sudan and the gardens of Japan from Milan to Yucatan every woman's every man hit me with your rhythm stick hit me hit me listening to Red Button. So you're listening to Box 39 Red Button and that was Injury and the Blockettes with Hit Me With Your Rhythm Stick and that was chosen by my very special guest for tonight who is Ian Hornet who, uh, an author of books for all ages, he's written books from uh, science fiction to comedy, and he works as a blogger, but he also continues to work in schools as a teacher, and of course he also writes unique and original 100-word stories for the sister show of this one, Bill's Big Bag of Onions, here also on Com Radio 106.6 FM. So we thought we'd get the plug in there, Ian. <laughs> now, uh, tell us a little bit about your writing process. What's it like? Yeah, well, I'm... I'm quite disciplined. Um, I, I wanted because I, I was tra- taking it seriously. I wanted to have a working day. Uh, my wife's carried on working. Uh, we're in a, in a position where um, you know because I'm earning a bit of money through teaching and things. I had taken a drop in income, so I wanted to take it seriously. Not that I've ma- made a lot of money for making books yet, writing books yet, but that, that's the aim. So I kind of feel like I'm, I need to put a day's work in. So I tend to get up the same time as my wife I mean uh, when she's commuting up to London she'd be up early so I'd be up early um, and I would start my day quite early and I'd, I'd work right the way through the day um, I would try to hit a target of two or three thousand words if I could um, sometimes that kind of happens sometimes it didn't so I don't beat myself up about it but that measuring it in words is a kind of uh, a, a good target for me because if I've done two or three thousand words I feel like that's a that's mm. a day's work to, to some extent so um, yeah, it's the discipline. I, I need that discipline. 
because I, I need to feel fulfilled at the end of the day. I need to feel like I've done something. Yeah. Um, I'm not too hard on myself if I don't meet it. And I do mix it up with other things. I'm lucky to be able to do other things as well, um, like the blogging and um, and actually trying to promote the book as well, which is which is a whole different area, really, from the writing process, which I can talk about at some point. But the actual writing, yeah, I sit down and I get on with it. So how long does it take you to write a book? Do you, you know, uh, from from the moment you come up with the idea that I, I should write a book on this to when you actually say, that's it, it's done? Well, the first book came out, I mentioned this earlier on, the book, first book came out incredibly, I think, very quickly. It just, uh, and I had didn't know what I was specifically going to write about. It was just this outline story. I knew I wanted to have a bridge between an alien world and this world. I knew I wanted to have reincarnation theme to it. I wanted to set it in a um, in a in a setting which was going to appeal to younger readers. So it's a young adults book. So I decided to have it in a dystopian setting. But that was all. That's the only kind of parameters I had around it. I hadn't done any planning for it. A lot of authors do. I haven't done that with any of my books, actually. I, I teach my children when I'm writing, when they're writing, that I sh- they should plan. Um, but I don't do it myself. It just doesn't seem to work that way. Um, so if I'm writing two or three thousand words a day, you know, you can get the first draft out two or three months or something like two months. I mean, you've got to allow some days where you're not going to be writing. Uh, then the editing comes in and um, that can take a lot longer. So I think I had that first book ready after about six months. I didn't publish it then, but right. I had it ready. Uh, and I edited it myself. Again, you can I'm self-published that book, so you can pay a lot of money for someone to edit, um, which is all costs and things. So, and I had other fortunately I had other people, family members who who went over it with a fine tooth comb. Mm. So, six months I'm kind of working too. I'm trying to trying to get a book out every six months now if I can. But I've got a few in the pipeline which I need to publish. Mm-hmm. Um, so I might find that I'm you know I might be able to publish a few more in the next year or two. So. Is, is it does it energize you to write to write or does it exhaust you? I mean, three thousand words a day sounds fairly exhausting. It energizes me. I'm lucky, you know, to have the opportunity to do it. So um, I love doing it. So it it doesn't exhaust me at all. I sometimes get to a point of writing. I had it yesterday. I'm, I'm right towards the end of the third book in in the Quarton series, which is a sci-fi uh, trilogy, which I'm trying to um, to finish off. And I got to a point. And I haven't decided on the ending yet because I haven't done any planning. Um, I got to the point where I'm trying to tie up all the loose ends and I couldn't tie up this particular thread that I've gone through it. So I've just left it. Just put it to one side. I've left it for now. I'll go back to it um, in the next few days. Hopefully something will come to me. Um, But I don't worry about that. I don't find it exhausting. I just find the whole process really positive. Now this is something I've often wondered. Uh, Books get reviewed. Do you read the reviews? Yes. Um, <laughs> is that a tough thing to do? Um, yes, it can be if it's a di- if it's a, because I want honesty in the reviews. Um, the books I've published, it's hard to get reviews when you're self-published. It really is hard. So I've obviously put my book out around to friends and family, and you want them to be honest, uh, and I think they are honest with it. I hope they've enjoyed the the book. Um, but I know it's not for everyone. I know it's not a perfect book. I'm not. I'm not the finished article. Uh, there's going to be things wrong with it. Particularly the first book. I think my second book is better written than the first one. The first book is is a, um, 
is deliberately complicated because that's the book that was in my head and it switches to and from different time time scales different characters reincarnating a little bit confusing and I've had comments on the reviews to that effect saying it's a bit hard to follow other people have loved it they said they like that that idea of kind of trying to work out who the the characters are and trying to work out who who's who and when and um, but I know that reviews aren't going to be perfect at the moment I want to read all the reviews because I think it's important to get feedback I want if someone doesn't like it why don't they like it I'm improving as I want to improve as a writer so I teach my children you've got to take on feedback haven't you absolutely do you uh, you hear sometimes that authors just come to as you said you, you came to a point with uh, uh, the one you're writing at the moment you're not sure what's going to happen next is, is, does writer's block you know exist is it a real thing do you think I, I think it definitely is a real thing because I, I connect with a lot of writers uh, through Instagram and Twitter and uh, less so with Facebook but social media certainly um, and you read about writer's block and, it, and, and I can see it in children at school oh, goodness me I, you know you're trying to get children to write something and and there's so many things going through their mind which might stop them doing that because they're worried about punctuation, spelling. And those things are really important. But it's the creativity, I think, which is the hardest thing sometimes. I, I want the children I'm teaching to be as creative as possible. Um, from my point of view, I'm okay with spelling and punctuation and that, so it's just the creativity side of things. And sometimes I... I like yesterday when I had this problem with the ending, I don't think it's a block. I'm hoping it won't be. Otherwise, I'm really stuck. I don't know how I'm going to finish it. Um, I've been lucky. Every time I've gone back to my writing, something kind of turns up. I don't really think about the book outside of that time. When I've gone back to it, it kind of happens. So I'm lucky. Am I lucky? I don't know. Some writers probably get stuck for ages. Maybe this is this is going to finish me off. I'm going to say that now. I'm not going to be able to finish this third book. So it'd be the caught on the trilogy unfinished. <laughs> But um, I hope I don't get it. That's well, maybe you can take some uh, inspiration from the next piece of music. You've chosen Joan Armour Trading, gorgeous uh, singer, with her song Together in Words and Music. Why have you chosen that well, one? Have you ever seen her live? I have, yes. She is an amazing guitarist. I hadn't realised. I mean, she's an amazing singer. Again, it goes back to... Um, my, my teens and 20s um, her, her music really I mean, she's been, been prolific but um, we saw her at Southend and I just didn't realise how good she is on a guitar and so th there's that side of it a kind of whole new side to this artist I hadn't appreciated her voice is amazing and this particular song is just so upbeat I just think it's a lovely song With you, yeah. Life is but a song. My soul can see in a valley of song, and you are giving more than the day. But with you, it's all okay now. Love and life in words and music. Do -do -do -do. Do -do -do -do. When you speak the word love, it's like it goes of love. It's real, I can feel what you say, yeah. Time will reveal the magic in the words and music. Time can't conceal the magic now. Now I know why I am. Now I know you are. We are in love. Now I know I am Now I know you 
living for you Love was but a word A word I spoke But I never conceived Till I took this road To you and the day But with you it's always now Love and life and words and music Now I know why, yeah Now I know you are Hello, I'm a jazz expert. Wivenhoe residents have paid me a rather modest consultation fee to come here to define jazz for you. And it's a very, very difficult question. Very difficult. So, in view of the modesty of the fee I've been paid, what I'm going to do is to throw the question right back at you. Here goes. Residents of Wivenhoe, I'm asking you, what is jazz? Thank you. Bill's Big Bag of Jazz Onions, every Sunday night from 11pm, here on 106.6 FM, Cone Radio. Singing a song, singing this is the life When you wake up in the morning and you emphasize the signs Are you gonna go, are you gonna go, where are you gonna stay tonight? And we're singing a song, singing this is the life When you wake up in the morning and you emphasize the signs Are you gonna go, are you gonna go, where are you gonna stay tonight? Where are you gonna stay tonight? Singing a song, singing this is the life And you wake up in the morning and you're emphasized It's easy, you're gonna go, you're gonna go Where are you gonna sing tonight? And we're singing a song, singing this is the life And you wake up in the morning and you're emphasized It's easy, you're gonna go, you're gonna go Where are you gonna sing? Okay, let's have some conversation please, thank you Now are you sitting comfortably? Good. Then we'll begin. So that was Ruel Buel, another choice from our guest tonight, Ian Hornet, who, as we've 
we've been talking about uh, is a is an author of books for all ages. As uh, a blogger, he works with school children, helping them with their writing, and he also writes hundred word stories for Bill's Big Bag of Onions. So, Ian, why did you choose Ruel Buel? This is the life. Well, this is a new song for me. I've only heard it within the last few months. My son introduced it to me. Um, I mentioned early on that I was a kind of like um, a frustrated saxophonist um, and I'm a frustrated banjo player as well so I do play the banjo a bit but I can't play it that well I can play chords on it I can pluck very basic songs with it I just love the banjo I really do Um, I'd love to be able to play it properly now the banjo on this I don't think is that complicated but it's just got such a lovely rhythm to it it's just such a unusual song and I think this is a song I think Amy McDonald might have done this song originally I just thought it's got an unusual feel to it as well so it's a new song to me I don't know how when it was written but I just think it's again it's a nice upbeat song and just good fun well let's move on to talk about how you get uh, inspiration um, um, you know where your writing comes from where do you think your your ideas uh, for your books have come from I talked earlier on about the science fiction books, the, the Quarton books, so that there's three in that series and it's kind of, they've all got this reincarnation theme to them, um, which I think is slightly different um, from a lot of science fiction books I've read in the past. I'm not as big a science fiction fan as I used to be, but I do enjoy, I do enjoy unusual ideas. I do like the idea of um, something get you thinking in a different way and that's, that's why I was interested in the reincarnation idea. So that kind of explains th- those three books. Um, I've also got the comedy side of things, which is something I really want to develop. I really enjoy writing things that are, are funny, which I hope are funny. Uh, I've written a book uh, called Maggie Matheson Back in Service. This came up on a course which I was on a creative writing course in Wivenhoe, actually, um, by the Writers' Company. It was a, a, good, a good introductory course. Um, and we had to do this activity where we had to put ideas into the middle. So it was we all had to put in the... Um, a location and I think two characters and they all went on a, a piece of paper in the middle and you drew out at random these these ones and um, someone else drew out ones which I had put in which was uh, the two characters was a uh, an 80 year old woman who was uh, an ex-spy uh, a uh, someone who's a road sweeper and Clapton Seafront totally at random and she produced something a, a short piece of work which is which was great and then afterwards I went away and thought, I can do something with that, um, particularly the 80-year-old woman spy. I don't think there's any other books written about her. So she's a, a granny. I know granny spy is a kind of uh, a, a bit of a, a bit of a theme um, with, with children's books and things like that, definitely. But I just like the idea of this woman who was um, a spy, very successful spy, came back into uh, retired, didn't want to retire because she still wanted an exciting life, living a quiet life, uh, uh, on, uh, not, it's not set in Clacton but it's uh, um, set by the sea and she wanted to get back into spying and she gets this opportunity to do it and blow me there's another 80,000 words came out about this and again I hadn't planned it like with the other books it just kind of took its course that was the only thing I had this basic concept and it's a proper spy book I have tried to put some twists and turns in it but you're definitely trying to um, I'm definitely trying to to gently uh, introduce this lady who's very capable but can forget things and finds IT difficult. My mum says it's based on her. My mum wasn't a spy, not as far as I know anyway. Um, but she was, um, my mum is very capable but IT she struggles with and there's a little bit of humour connected to that. And 
it was just great fun to write. So that's the Maggie book, um, and I'm halfway through a sequel to that. I'm trying to get that one published and put it around literary agents to see whether anyone will will pick it up. No luck yet, but you never know. Um, and so I like that kind of comedy thing, and I, I blog quite a bit about um, things in life, just things I've done. Um, I did one about um, latitude, um, I enjoyed doing that, had a chance to write something about something I'd enjoyed, and again, slightly light-hearted, things about uh, things my, my family have done, just, I think there's humour in most things, aren't there? I hope so, anyway, and just trying to pick out these bits and pieces, and I, I post things on um, Instagram and Facebook, just light-hearted things, um, just things I see, just short pieces, yeah. So your inspiration really comes from all around you and in your past, but when in the past did you learn that that the language, that writing, could actually have a sort of power, could be powerful, could um, could impact upon people? Well, that that's through my reading. I, I, I was... Um from quite a young age I just enjoyed reading so one of the first books I read was Paddington I can't remember what age I was but I went right the way through the Michael Bond Paddington books um, I can remember reading those on my own I know my mum and dad would have read with me before that I would have been reading at school but that was one of the early books I read I read lots of um, I used to have um, comics, Wizard and Chips, Dandy, all of those kind of books. Tend to be the cartoon ones rather than the Hotspur or the Football Roy the Rovers type things. I enjoyed the cartoon ones. Uh, okay, that, that was the pictures there as well, but you've got the words all the way through that. Um, so through my reading, I think that you just get lost in books, you get lost in stories, you get lost in words. Um, I mentioned about the comedy things. I love playing with words. I love this idea of um, being able to twist words around, put them in different different order, see the effect of that, um, putting lots of description, lots of action into things. I love, uh, I'm sorry I haven't a clue, I don't know if you're a fan of that as well Bill, I mean it's it's a great programme and the way they, they play on the words, they, um, I can't remember the name of the dictionary one but they, they kind of get this idea of, uh, of people using, the, I'm sorry I messed that one that bit up. But That's the Uxbridge. Uxbridge dictionary, dictionary. thank you. So um, I love uh, I'm sorry I haven't a clue and the way they use the Uxbridge dictionary to kind of make up these um, fictitious names and fictitious words and definitions of these words it's so clever it's a great program isn't it and uh, I, uh, yes so so you've 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 uh, been writing from an early age and you've understood the power of language and, and you get these great ideas from it but now you're in the process of you know, uh, you're, you're monetizing your art. So Shall have you, yeah, so publishing the books, has that process of learning how to publish the books actually had to change uh, your actual process of writing and and what you write? Okay, well, yeah, I mean, that, that's quite, that's, there's quite a lot to that question. So I, I would like, I would like my books to be published, so I have so far published two, self-published two books, but I also would like to get a literary agent if I possibly can. That is incredibly difficult to do that, incredibly difficult. And I, I knew that beforehand. I didn't know it before I had this idea in New Zealand for the book. I just thought, I'm going to write a book, and that's, you know, that's, 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 that's that done. You write a book, and then hopefully someone picks it up, and, and you may be successful, you may not be. Not as easy as that. It's really hard, and so I started reading around it. I knew how difficult it would be to get a literary agent, and I haven't achieved it. I tried it with the first book, I decided to self-publish it, and I will self-publish the, the, the trilogy. Um, I hope the Maggie Matheson is the spy book gets picked up. If it doesn't, then I might self-publish that as well. 
Has it changed the way that I'm going that I write it? I don't think so because I'm just basing it on the, whichever stories come out. I've, I've written um, two books for children, science fiction books for children. Both of them are in draft form. Um, both of them based on ideas that just kind of popped into my head. I've just written them as they are. I think maybe if you get um, an agent, you might have to adapt your writing. I think you know there might be they've got certain needs and certainly they will want to push your book in a certain way you've got to find the market for it um, maybe I should be doing even more research to find out whether this is what people want but that wouldn't be as much fun for me I don't think not at this stage I think if a, an agent said to me look we really like what you're writing um, can you adapt it in such and such a way I don't think I'd be too precious about it you know if that's what if that's what they want um, so I'm not kind of saying this is my art and I'm going to be so so um, precious about my art it's not a question of that I'm writing what I like at the moment because um, if I wasn't writing what I like I don't think I would do it but it is incredibly difficult when I connect to other um, authors they're all doing the same thing they're all trying to push their books they're all trying to um, hopefully get agents, some of them are not, some are going down a self-published route anyway. And what a wonderful opportunity to do self-publishing. You can actually write something, like you, any of us could write something today, go on to uh, Amazon and you could publish it today. And it'd be available to the world. Available, but will people know about it? That's the hard bit. So mm. you've got the advertising, you've got to be a, as an author, you, like uh, if you're any business really, you've got to have so many hats on. It's not just about the writing. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not good on the commercial side of things. Well, we should come to that in a minute, uh, I think, about the, the other things involved in in publishing. It's not just writing the words mm. on the page, is it? But before that, uh, a few more choices of your music. And the first one we're going to go into is by Nina Simone. My Baby Just Cares For Me. What are the reasons for that, Ian? Well, what a voice. Uh, you know, and and what, what a person. You know, she was um, an incredible artist, incredible singer, incredible piano player. Um, incredible person standing up for black rights in, in, in America incredible life this particular song I think might have been released in the 1950s or 60s to begin with but it had a revival in 19, about 1987 88 it's just before we got married and I can remember it coming on and listening to that piano go through that theme just going through. I like jazz I like uh, trad jazz particularly this isn't really trad jazz but it's got a lovely kind of laid back feel um, yeah I just love it it's just a cool song. Chaos for me. 
You're listening to Red Button, live on Colne Radio, 106.6 FM. listening to Box 39 Red Button here on 106.6 FM Colm Radio. And we're live tonight in the wonderful Studio One, high up here on the fourth floor at Colm Radio Towers. And this week I'm with my guest Ian Hornet, author, blogger and writer of a hundred word stories for our sister show, Bill's Big Bag of Onions. So you've chosen uh, Gomez, See the World. And we've just listened to that. Why did you choose that, Ian? I mentioned earlier on that I wrote this blog about latitude. And we went there last year. And there's a slightly funny story behind this. I won't go into too much detail, but I wasn't too sure about going. Next thing I know, on a Friday night, after I'd had a few glasses of wine, my wife had, had booked a... It uh, wasn't a yurt, but it was a, a ended up being a very small... Um, 
beach hut, tiny, tiny beach huts. And next thing I knew, I was going to Latitude. I had a fantastic time. And you can see all sorts of bands there, people you hadn't heard of before. And I went to see Gomez. We went to see Gomez. And I hadn't heard of Gomez, much to my shame. I hadn't heard of them. And we were just blown away by them. And they've been around for ages. They've been around for ages and ages. And this world here, this um, song here, See the World, I just think it's a lovely, chirpy song. And every time I listen to it, I smile. And so welcome again, Ian. It's been uh, it's it's great having you here. We've had a long conversation about how you've uh, progressed as a writer or become a writer, progressed through several books and, and your inspiration and how you do your writing. But now we're going to talk about the bit, I suppose it's the end part of the process, and that's getting your manuscript turned into a book. And you have mentioned that it's quite a difficult landscape for a writer to get through to reach a some form of publisher or literary agent so what's it been like for you what's the landscape been like for you uh, in terms of finding a literary agent so with the first book uh, caught on the bridge which is one of i talked about this idea in new zealand um my first route with it was to try and find a, a literary agent so um i did a bit of research um you have to um make sure you find the right kind of agent to begin with you even within that agency you have to try and find the right agents so you look at their profiles and you know, there might be ones of interest in science fiction romance might not be your kind of book so you have to do the right kind of research you then have to have the right kind of um it's a bit like doing a cv really you've got to try and catch their attention so there's a covering letter that you normally you can do this by email so um in your letter you have to say what your book is about why they should bother to open up the attachments which will involve a, uh, a synopsis of your book which is a um, everything that happens in your book from start to finish normally they want that within a, a few hundred words actually this is why um, Big Bill's uh, Bill's bag of onions or <laughs> Bill's bag of onions has been useful because that helps um, I think I've been better at this now that has you have to do a hundred words for that real tight editing um, and when you're doing synopsis for something trying to condense 70 or 80 thousand words into 300 words is really quite tough and you've got to say everything that happens including the ending so um, I think maybe I might be a little bit better at doing that now after do, doing the 100 word stories um, and then you normally attach uh, your first three chapters or your first 10,000 words the trick is, my understanding is, the trick is to get the agent to open up those attachments because they get hundreds of these every day. Hundreds of people like me who've all written a book which you think, yeah, that's a good book or you hope it's a good book. All aspiring uh, number one bestsellers, you want to be a number one bestseller, ideally. Um, and you hope they're going to open up and come back to you and say, this is brilliant, yeah, we're going to, you know, we're going to market this and it's going to sell so well in WH Smith and around the world. But you've got to get them to open it. And I think a lot of the time they won't even open it if your covering letter's not right. You can get courses, you can buy people's advice to tell you how to write those letters. Uh, you can go online to find out about that as well. Um, I'm not sure I've got mine right because there can be conflicting advice from it. You normally have to do like a, um, a pitch, an elevator pitch. You know, why should people open up your, uh, why should people read your book? Um, so there's so many components. It's a very competitive industry. Um, and I haven't cracked that by any means yet. I didn't crack it with the, the first one. I didn't get any uh, agents to pick it up. I'm working my way through the agents for the Maggie Matheson book. Still hopeful someone might do. If they don't, I won't beat myself up about it. I'll keep trying with maybe some other books as well. So um, 
if you can get an agent, I think that does help. You can't guarantee your book's going to be a success. And actually, it takes a long time from you being accepted by an agent, my understanding, to actually getting published. So that could be two or three years from that. And then you've got kind of, uh, you, you should get support for editorial support and marketing support. If you do not have an agent, then you have to do it all yourself. So I am learning to be, um, not learning very well, but I'm learning to be my own editor, I'm learning to be uh, a proofread, I'm getting other people to help with those things as well. I'm trying to learn how to um, commercially uh, market the book, so I've had to learn about Amazon advertising, Facebook advertising, um, I have to be um, on top of my social media. All of these things aren't necessarily things I'm comfortable about. I have to try and promote myself, which is, I mean, it's great. I love coming on this show here today. It's an opportunity to talk about my work. I love to do that anyway, but I've had to step out my comfort zone to um, to get into the Gazette, for example. I'm not one to, well, I don't want to have my photo in the Gazette, but they've been, been really good there. They've done a couple of articles. All these things are, are things which I didn't think I would ever have to do, but you have to try and do it if you're going to self-publish. And, I mean, the great thing about the internet is that as I mentioned earlier on, you can get your book published just by going onto an Amazon. How do you get people to read your book? Well, you've got to do those things. You've got to, you've got to try and do advertising, and you've got to make it the right kind of book, maybe for people to read. Um, and I haven't got there yet, but I'm hoping. The more people, ironically, the more successful you are, the more successful you will be. So if your book is already being sold on Amazon, then it will get noticed. It'll go up the Amazon list. You might get within the top hundred, top ten. And in fact, both my books were in the top ten across two or three Amazon categories within the first week or so because people were buying them. You've got to keep it up there. I mean, I. I'm, I'm going to mention Red Line in Colchester and Wivenhoe Bookshop as well because both of those bookshops, have, the independent bookshops, have, have taken my books. They didn't have to. Um, Red Line in particular has been, and they've got both books in there now. And, um, you know, it's, I mean, what a feeling that was for me to have my book in a bookshop uh, and Wivenhoe Bookshop as well. It's a fantastic feeling. So there's opportunities there. Um, I can sell, try and sell my book through the schools as well. So I go in and talk to the children about writing and obviously it comes up about my books and if they want to uh, buy the book as well then that, that's fantastic. So I'm, I'm trying, I'm really trying everything but I don't think I'm very good at the commercial side. And again, if you want to pay people to do it, you can but you can't guarantee success whichever way you go with it. So a lot of multitasking has been involved. We've asked you to multitask on this show and we've asked you to choose music as well. And the next piece of music you've chosen is a terrific track. Uh, I really enjoyed listening to this when I was getting out of the library for you. And this is Sarah by Fleetwood Mac. Why have you chosen that? I had to have something from Fleetwood Mac in there. Rumours is um, one of the most well-known albums in the world. Sarah is from Tusk. I think I'm right in saying that, which is the follow-up album. Um, and I was really into Fleetwood Mac when I was younger. Um, and I wanted to have... I mean, I could have chosen anything, really, from Fleetwood Mac. I just think they're a great band. Sarah, I think... Um, Stevie Nicks' voice, I think, is very unusual as well. So she's got a great voice. I just love... There's got, this song's got everything in it. It's got her voice in it. It's got great instrumental in it. And it's Fleetwood Mac.
been asked to read this you're listening to red button on corn you're listening to red button on corn radio this is box 39 red button our later evening conversation show which comes live from wivenhoe uh, on 106.6 fm it's been our pleasure to have our guest here tonight ian hornet and before he goes we're going to talk about a few other bits and pieces uh, that uh, he uh, I'm going to start this one again <laughs> right three two one so you are listening to Box 39 Red Button our later evening conversation show coming to you live from Wivenhoe here at Colm Radio Towers on 106.6 FM and tonight we've been chatting to our guest Ian Hornet, author, blogger, teacher, and uh, a man who's got a whole raft of books that will be coming your way soon in bookshops. And so we're going to ask him a few questions uh, for the end of the show. And so Ian, maybe you can tell us, what do you think, what makes a good story? I think you've got to be hooked from the beginning, the story. I have read books where you have to be build up on it. And I've stuck with them sometimes, but I like to get into the story straight away. So it's got to be interesting. There's got to be stuff happening in them. I like, I, for me, I like plenty of action in books. Okay, and I've often wondered why people do this. And uh, have you ever considered writing under a pseudonym? I haven't. I've written a book. I want my name on the book. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I, I can sort of understand that. Uh, okay. If you had to choose a pseudonym, which one would you choose? Oh, oh I don't know. Um, oh, I, I, you, you've thrown me there. I'm not too sure what I would go... I'd have to go for something hilarious, I think. Something... I don't know, something... I can't think of two names put together, but it'd have to be... Uh, sorry, Bill, I, I'm lost on that one. I can't think. <laughs> I need right. a bit more time to think on that one. Now, do you try to be more original 
in your in what you write or do you think well this is the sort of thing that my readers would like so that sort of skews your writing so you are you providing uh, what your readers want or are you challenging them with originality I think I'm writing what I like to write so hopefully it's original um, hopefully it's what readers might want and I think I've got both in both in my mind but the story is whatever story that's that's coming out and you've got to pick your audience I tell my children I'm teaching you've got to write for your audience know who your audience is so um, I've written across a range of ages Hopefully I have that in, in mind. So there's no point writing a book with too many complicated words for children if you're pitching it to 8 to 10. So you've got to have that in mind. Uh, but in terms of the storylines and things, at the moment I'm just writing whatever's coming to my mind. Now you must have been a great reader, and probably still are a great reader. So you mentioned uh, the, the first author you really remember, which was Michael Bond mm. and Paddington. But are there any authors that you sort of disliked to begin with, but after a while recognised and realised that this is something you could get into I can remember at school having to read things as part of my English literature course things I didn't want to read we had to do something by Shakespeare I wasn't too keen on the Shakespeare stuff but, um, I just felt some of the I can remember reading Romeo and Juliet and thinking oh, you turn the page over and she's she's still saying how much she loves him in a different way and goes on for pages and pages wasn't too keen on it but they are great stories all of them are great stories and I kind of got to appreciate that with Shakespeare that they are good stories uh, Dickens stuff as well I think there's lots of description in Dickens um, the books I've written don't I find it quite hard to write description actually because it does tend to have mainly action and and, um, and speech and things in it but you have to have description um, and sometimes you can get that can go on a little bit but again I could appreciate what a great storyteller he was um, so wasn't too keen on either of those to begin with but once you read them and understand them I'd say yeah I grew into those two authors so are there any of those in in your top books are there three great books that you could uh, that you would say you would recommend for anyone or everyone or what are your three top books Ian? Well you asked me I think um, beforehand to choose a book for lockdown and for holiday and for Christmas so I gave that some thoughts specifically to that um, my book for lockdown would have been Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy because I read it and I just laughed out loud all the way through and lockdown was difficult for, for people to, um, so if you want to laugh then Douglas Adams well what not his ideas are so original so that is my book for lockdown um, something funny my book for holiday I decided um, I have read books which are very light and easy to read on holiday but actually the best thing to write is something that you really get into and I've been into lots of different books um, one of my favourite books was The Time Traveller's Wife which is a kind of romance really well it is a romance but the concept is so unusual and I love that that kind of quirky science fiction-y side wasn't science fiction but time travelling idea where it kind of switches around so um, for holiday for me it's got to be a book that you can really get into and you just you've got more time so you can read it and my books for Christmas I'm going back to my childhood here and I would definitely recommend reading the Bean Old Dandy Annuals of Wizard and Chips I always used to get those for Christmas so if you want to have a, a bit of fun at Christmas time get one of those annuals what terrific books alright well Ian it's been an absolute privilege to have you on the show thank you so much for coming in and uh, good luck with the writing 
and the publishing as well. Thank you. And we look forward to you finding an ending for your third book in the trilogy. <laughs> Hope it all comes. Thanks so much for having me on. It's been brilliant. And um, also, just a quick uh, plug for listeners, listen out for Ian's stories on Bill's Big Bag of Onions. Yes, thank you. Thanks very much. And before we go, perhaps you could just tell us a little bit about your final choice. This is Genesis and Follow You, Follow Me. Well, Genesis are my band. I don't listen to them quite so much now, but I was into Injury and the Blockheads when I was younger. I was looking for some other music. And Phil Collins um, released some singles around about that time, and that led me into Genesis, and it opened up a whole new world of music for me. Um, and Follow You, Follow Me is one of my favourite tracks. And quick plug on social media here, Follow You, Follow Me. So if you want to follow me on social media, you can do, ianhornet.com. So that's all on there as well. But the main reason is I love this track. Ian Hornet, thank you so much. Thank you. is a Guppy production for Colne Radio and is committed to a varied, equitable and truly inclusive output that properly reflects the ethnic diversity of our community audience. 